0: much. Great job. Um, As they've been talking and singing about Jesus being the bread of life, I was reminded just that you are what you eat. And that's really, I think, part of what Jesus is is getting at here, that we are what we eat, of of taking Him in and living Him out. Um, I remember, uh, this was a few decades ago, when like it was this big carrot juice diet, you know, and, and beta carotene, which is in carrots and stuff, was like the you know, like it was the panacea, um, uh, the, the the magic uh, fruit. Carrots were their vegetables, so magic vegetable. Um, but I remember as some folks really got into that as they ate more and more carrots, their skin would turn um, a, a pale orange because of all that they took in. I mean, you are what you eat. I, I've, I've been in a, a, a medical procedure called apheresis, and it's this one where you take all the blood out of your body, not all at one time, but uh, over the course of an hour, and you filter it. You, you sort of put it in a centrifuge and stuff, and it separates the solids from the liquids, basically, in in your blood, and they're, they were taking out the liquids and because there was stuff in there they didn't, didn't want in there. Um, and one day when this procedure was happening the, the the liquids would come out and it was clear. And then the nurse was like, Ah, you ate well yesterday. Real low fat diet And we're like How'd you know that? Well, because it would show here, and and you and sure enough, you know, it's like salads and fruits and stuff that uh, the patient had eaten. And so the next time uh, we went in for this, um, the, did the same thing, and the bag looked as it filled up, looked sort of like, not quite, but close to the Ohio River, rather murky. And they're like, okay, so what'd you have for lunch today? And this uh, bad news is two cheese conies. Uh, and went on to, to say that uh, they had a patient that would come in for this procedure and the patient would eat a king-size Snickers bar every morning before the procedure because then they knew they would get to enjoy it all, but all the fat would get filtered out <laughs> and they would have to do it. Now, just so you know, this is like a $30,000 procedure. So, it, uh, it's not a common thing, and you'll have a bear of a time getting the insurance to cover it just so that you can eat a king size Snicker. But that is, I mean, what a p- picture of that we are what we eat. And, and so, as, as we've heard in our passage today in John chapter 6 and our, our walk through the Gospel of John, where, where Jesus, he, we hear his first I am statement of, of seven that we'll be really unpacking through the rest of the summer where he says, I am the bread of life. And, and that he even tells us later on, that not part that we're reading, but later on in the passage, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, he, he wants to be intimately integrated into our lives. Body, mind, and soul. And what, what we'll see here, Jesus is not an add-on to life. He's not just an app for peace. And comfort. He's not just the uh, one that comes to fulfill our plans, but He's the central essence of life, the one who feeds us real life with God now and forever, intimately integrated into all of life. And in a way, you could say, taking this metaphor, the ultimate health food passages in John chapter 6 starting with verse 1 page 867 in your pew bible let's uh, let's pray Almighty God we ask that you would speak to us that indeed you would be the the living word in us Uh, teach us, uh, mold us, encourage us challenge us as we hear from you feed us in the name of Jesus we pray Amen. All right, John chapter 6, starting with verse 1. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Just a little sideline here. Barley loaves were largely a food that was made particularly for the, the, the poor. Um, it wasn't like a loaf of bread, more like a cake. You know, so Sort of like a, an oversized triscuit cracker, if you're familiar um, with those. But an oversized like wheat, barley kind of cracker was there. And then the two fish, they weren't like, you know, two of those big old Alaskan salmon that you've seen that could feed us. They, they were probably more of a dried fish, you know, like sardines. So you're talking about five triscuits and two sardines is what the the, the little boy had for lunch that now has been offered. And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given the thanks, He distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This indeed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, a little little bit of the story here is Jesus goes to the other side and then the folks gather. they, They then follow after him. So we'll pick up in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them. Very truly, I tell you. Uh, one thing about the very truly in our translation, other translations say truly, truly. That, that's sort of like Jesus highlighting it for us. You know, he's put that one in, uh, that's his red letter edition. Uh, and, and there's two times that he says this um, in here. Very truly, sort of gives us the main point. Very truly, I tell you, uh, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on Him that God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to him, Well, what sign are you going to give us then uh, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was my Father who gives you the br- true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us that bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that have seen Me and yet do not believe, Everything that the Father gives me will come to me and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father that all who see the Son and believe in Him may have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear them. The tension here between it's almost like Jesus is speaking a foreign language. You know, to the folks that are there, they're just not getting it, and you see that from the 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 whole part. You see that throughout this 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 journey. I this have this conversation here because even from the beginning story, which is this huge celebration of Jesus taking this little boy's sack lunch and then multiplying it to feed five thousand or more. And it all has enough. And when they collect all that's left over, there's 12 baskets. I mean, it's just a picture of abundance and provision in every way. But as we've been walking through John. John doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. They're not just acts of power. They're not just acts of, of, of caring for need. They are speaking to a reality beyond themselves. And this, this, this is the greater truth that he's trying to promote. And what happens regularly in John, and particularly you see it here, is that the crowd that is there, they can't get beyond what they can see and touch and smell they can't get beyond the world that is around them which is why jesus left them I mean because you think about it you got this group here they're hungry they're 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 an oppressed people under um roman rule and now jesus is showing all this power he's healed people who are blind he's revived people who were dead now he took a sack lunch and fed thousands they're like man make you king and we're good And Jesus, because of that, left. Went to the other side. And then when they do finally catch up with him, that first very truly in in verse 26. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They're, they're focused simply on their own needs. The here and now. And I mean, that, it's not, that's a, a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to, to pursue our provision, um, to avoid pain, to, to seek pleasure in this life. That, that's not a bad thing. But if that's the end result, then that is called idolatry. That is it's called worshipping the things of this world instead of worshipping the Creator of the world. And what Jesus is trying to point them beyond the physical reality to one that is even greater, that encompasses the physical reality, but is even greater than what they see, what they smell, what they taste, what they feel, that is, is greater than their provision, avoiding pain, seeking pleasure. I mean it, it is those are incomplete. Beyond that, including and beyond that, is then living with God in life eternal. Their dream is too small. They're just about the, the here and now. And Jesus goes on to say, no, this is not. it's not just about the, the here and now. You've got to be living for God's eternal purpose. God's plan. God has work for you. And they get into this discussion about work. You know, Jesus says, Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on Him that God the Father has set His seal. That This is the work of God. Well, then they, they respond back, verse 28. What must we do to perform the works of God? Yeah, they're, 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 Jesus is saying, no, Don't just hang with me to get your needs met, but come with me to do the works of God. And they're like, Okay, wh- what works we got to do? They are still they still don't get it yet. I mean, what's the list? What are the things we need to check off? What are the, what's the prayer we need to pray? What, what's the uh, act we need to do? Wh- when do we stand up? When do we sit down? Wh- when do we do the things we're supposed to do? And, and Jesus says that, that, that you're not getting what the works are. Verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. That You, you trust. You entrust your life To me. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, look at the sign. It says, I provide. I provide abundantly. You you may think your life is nothing but a couple crackers and an old smelly fish. Look what Jesus could do with it. As we entrust ourselves to Him. Believing Him. That's what He's calling us to. To the, the works of God that occur as we entrust ourselves to Jesus. Now they, they go on uh, to say, all right, well, um, if, if you want us to, to believe you, then verse 30 what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? I don't, I don't know if I'm missing something here or what, but didn't just Jesus just take five triscuits and two sardines and feed 5,000 people? That's a pretty good sign, if you ask me. So I don't know exactly what they're, they're doing, but I think what they're doing, because then they, then they quote some Old Testament passages. Um, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I think what they're, what they're doing, um, again, in, in just the, the, the small, just uh, physical, materialistic dream that they have is, is they're just using the Bible to get what they want. Yeah, you know, they're just saying, "Hey, they, he, remember this story of of uh, remember Moses and he led the Israelites out of slavery. They were enslaved to Egypt. If you um, uh, uh, in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, or you can go watch the old movie Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or Disney. They've made a, a nice uh, animated movie that sort of tells the story. If you're not familiar with the, the story of." of Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery. And as they, as they bust out of slavery, they're then, they're, they're wandering in the wilderness. And, you know, when you leave uh, for out of slavery, you leave rather quickly, and so you don't have a whole lot of uh, food with you. And they, as they're wandering around, they're like, all right, God, where's the food? And God says, I'm going to provide you manna, bread from heaven. Every morning you'll wake up and you'll collect it off the ground and that'll be enough food for you to eat that day. And the next morning you'll get up, the same will be the, the case. And, and actually, what John is doing brilliantly in this chapter is he's really remaking that, those events and showing how Jesus is the bread of life. You know, the manna was for a day, the manna was there for a season, but Jesus is bread of life for the world, for all of eternity. And you, you see that in a number of ways um, throughout uh, this uh, this passage. And so, um, as he, they're, they're saying, All right, then what work are you going to do? And Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So here, here, here is the bread. The bread that Jesus is offering is the bread that comes down from heaven that gives life, that gives life abundantly, that, that gives life to any and all that, that come to Him. Um, and... And so then, as, as Becky was sharing earlier, you know, then, then the crowd's like, "Cool, where's that bread? What aisle of Kroger? Can I get it on? You know, where is that bread? I'll take it, and, and I'll take a double, triple order. Let, let, let's eat that bread again. They they can't get beyond the physical, the material. They're stuck there, and they're they're continually wanting to use Jesus to to." fulfill their plan. They're continuing to want to see Jesus' in sense in a sense a, a, a divine, heavenly vending machine that if they just punch the right buttons, then God will give them what they want. Instead of coming and saying, s- submitting and trusting their lives to the love and goodness and obvious provision that God has given to us in Jesus. So when they say, all right, give us that bread, then Jesus says to them, and what is the the pinnacle of the passage? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And this is that First, I am statement, hearkening back also to Exodus, because Exodus 3, where Moses was interacting, was having a conversation with God, you know, and God's saying, Listen, I want you to lead the people out of slavery. And God's like, Okay, what's your Or Moses is like, All right, what's your name? And God says to Moses, My name is I am. And so now, Jesus, now for the rest of John, is going to be referring to himself, I am. And he'll Fill the blank in, the predicate, he'll fill it in with a number of different ways that Jesus is God among us. And, and now he's saying, Now you've got to eat and drink of me. I, you know, I, I think about food, think about that metaphor. That that is a, a total daily commitment to Jesus. You know, that, that he is not only the giver, but he's also the gift. And, and like when we eat bread, when we when we eat food and we drink, then you know we gotta take it and eat it. We gotta chew it up. We gotta swallow it. All. I mean, it's it's a total and commitment into the fullness of our lives. And you know, and if I were to say, you know, I want that food, I want that bread of heaven, but I only want it, you know, on this side of my body. You know, maybe leave my right arm. It won't won't be. That doesn't need that bread. Um, we'll get bread. Some. What will happen if I were to cut that part of my arm or somehow not let the nourishment come to that part of my body? It would shrivel and die. Now, this, this food that we then eat is intimately, necessarily, fully connected to the whole of our lives. And that's when we eat and drink of Jesus. That's what he's saying. You know, come follow me. Come and, and live in this. Take me fully in and live it out fully. And the good news is at the end, verse 40, this is indeed the will of my Father that all who see the Son and believe in Him may have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. So that this provision that God gives us in Jesus is not just for the day but for all of eternity. Now, this, what, what, the way he's sharing this with us, though, is quite disrupting. He does that, gives us disrupting truths. I mean, you know, that he, he's saying, but you know, it's not about you surviving. You've you got to look beyond your basic needs, those desires to avoid pain and seek pleasure. You've got to look beyond that. You've got to look to me to be the essence of life. Otherwise, we can be like the crowd, just wanting to use Jesus for our own needs, for our own plans, instead of submitting to Him, entrusting ourselves to Him for His plans, for all of life. We can, we can make Jesus an add-on. And talk about Him. We can talk about Him on Sundays when we're in town, instead of giving Him all of life, making Him the living bread of every moment of every day. I think he purposely uses this kind of language to disrupt us. You know, I mean, he, later on when he says, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, that ought to turn everybody's stomach or at least rise, raise an eyebrow or two when he says that. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Uh, other places he says, if you want to follow me, well, this is what you've got to do. You've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. uh, as a a church, we need to hear this too and the challenge of this because at times as a a church and and many, uh, we in the church in the United States can get focused, you know, on bucks and butts and buildings. You know, and those are good things. It's good things to have um, people in the pews. It's a good thing to have buildings. It's good things that budgets match and all that kind of stuff. But that is just what we see, feel, touch. If we're not seeking and pursuing the kingdom of God and using those for that, then we're going to fall in the same trap as the folks that were hanging around Jesus then. It's a challenge for us individually, the same, to be at actively eating and drinking Him and letting Him live in and through us. You know, at, at our workplace, at school, at, at home, in and, and all of our relationships, and, and when, we're, when we're at the party, when we're by ourselves, when we're on the field or on the stage, when we're at the pool, in our, our free time, every person in every place. Jesus, bread that we eat, the bread of life. is intimately, necessarily integrated into all of life. And He satisfies and fulfills. So I wonder for us to be challenged by this passage as well. Is where is, is Jesus bringing to mind a place in our, our lives that we try to cut Him off? The, the nourishment of what we've eaten in Him, we, we try to squeeze that out or don't don't let it in there. Where, where are places maybe in our own lives that, that we are more about the gift than we are the giver? Or, or, or places in our own lives where we are about getting Jesus to bless our plan instead of us entrusting ourselves to His. This, this is our cry. Our cry is, is a bunch of broken, flawed people, just like the crowd, we want to believe Jesus. We wouldn't be here if we didn't want to believe Jesus fully. We know in our head that we're fools not to live the way that God is calling us to in, in, um, for, for eternity. We, we want to eat and drink Him in all areas of our lives. That is our cry. And so we cry, Lord, forgive us when we don't. Help us to take you in, let you flow into all of life. And Lord, we thank you that you are the fullness of life, even in our brokenness. That you are the fullness of life, even when we just have barely the faith of a mustard seed. Even when we just barely believe, you are still the fullness of life. It's about His power, the power of His Father who has called us unto Him. Even in our weakness, even in our cowardice, even in our misplaced priorities. He is still the bread of life. Amen.